Hey, Lisa here. Before we get into the episode today, I have some really exciting news if you're a job changer or know someone who is changing jobs. I've teamed up with Jackie, the interview expert who you heard on episode 19, to create a holistic new program to guide you through a job or career change called Golden Path Learning. It's entirely online and takes you through career discovery, personal branding, job search strategy, and interview mastery. This course will take you from feeling overwhelmed with a lack of clarity to confident and ready to tackle anything that comes your way in the job search. You'll receive structured guidance, tools, and education to get you unstuck. To learn more, head to www.goldenpathlearning.com. And now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to the Career Builders Podcast. I'm Mike Bird. I'm Lisa Plain. Today, we're talking about finding success in a new role. Lisa, why don't you kick this off? You've got some pretty cool starting points on this topic. Yeah, so we decided to take on this topic because we realized that when you're starting a new job, it can sometimes feel like a shot in the dark. You're going in, you're not really sure where to start, you're not sure what to do to be successful, so we wanted to set a baseline. And this has always been really important for me and something that I've, I've learned pretty young um, I, my dad gave me a book called The First 90 Days by Michael Watkins, and I pulled it out for this episode and realized that there's actually a, a movie ticket from 2007 when he gave me the book, which is hilarious. <laughs> and the reason that this book was important to him is my dad was an IT consultant, and early on in his career, he would spend approximately a year at every company that he was mm. in. So he didn't really have a lot of time to transition and he wanted to be as successful as possible. So he would use a lot of these tips and has been incredibly successful in his career. So it's definitely applicable. Amazing, yeah. It's also just funny to note like how resources, things that we inherit much earlier in our lives suddenly become super important and relevant like at times when we never would have expected, like right now. Yeah, absolutely. So here's to the 13-year-old uh, book that's been on your shelf coming fully into its proper form. That's awesome. Yeah, this is like a topic where I've had a bit of experience. I've, uh, as a football coach, I've been in different places, coming into new organizations in my, I guess, quote unquote, day job, career, transitioned into a few different roles. And it's, it's huge. Like my, I can remember having a really rough transition in a new place. And by the end of the, my time there, you know, after four years in that organization, I was fantastic in terms of just feeling super connected to the people that I was working with and the work that I was doing. Like I really, really enjoyed my time overall, but I distinctly remember how unhappy and how hard it was getting started. And a lot of it Mm -hmm. comes down to some of the things that we're going to talk about. So... Why don't we, uh, let's dig into your book a little bit right now. What comes out, you've read it, and we're obviously recommending this to you, dear listener, as a read. Mm -hmm. What jumps out to you as far as the big key takeaways? So I definitely recommend picking up this book for anyone starting a new job. There are so many tips and tricks in here that we're not going to get to today. It's it's so in-depth. But um, one of the first things that jumped out to me is he talks about the break-even point. The break-even point is when you've contributed as much as you've consumed. And he also says that you start to contribute after about three and a half months. So if you find yourself still feeling like you're in the learning mode within the first three months, it's totally normal. 
It's good to and know. Yeah, it's it's really good to, to just kind of set that expectation for yourself. Some of the other things that he talks about is around mentality, like your mindset, how you work with people, how you look at challenges and opportunities in your role, and then also how you keep balance with yourself. So mm -hmm. to dig into a couple of those, and he has nine or 10 in his book, but the very first one is promote yourself. And when he says that, he's not talking about going out and tooting your own horn, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Mm -hmm. But he's talking about mentally thinking different. So in your head, you need to promote yourself from your old job to your new job, which is mm -hmm. a different way of thinking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sort of like a mental graduation. I Like your own graduation ceremony in your head. Exactly. So thinking about the fact that stuff that worked in your old job may not work in your new job. Hmm. Yeah, totally. Oh, you've just reminded me of another book that I will talk about later that talks right into this. So thank you. Just going to make that note. What else comes through in terms of like, are there points in this book where you've been able to look back into your work history and say, oh, like, I remember this is my break even point or I was still really learning three months in. Like, are there points in the book that resonate with your personal experience? Absolutely. And I always found that six months was my sweet spot. Hmm. So I would start to feel more comfortable after three or four months, but six months was really the point where I could say, I'm now an expert in this role and mm -hmm. I'm, people can come to me and know that I have the answers or I'm going to be competent to perform this particular task. Cool. How about yourself? Yeah, as you say that, I'm thinking about myself right now. I'm at about the three-month mark in my new day job, uh, so first 90 days. And I would say that's really totally appropriate. That description is just like I've spent a lot of this time learning. I've done some work. I've done some execution. But I'm starting to feel my command of what I'm actually talking about and my kind of understanding of workflow within the organization how we think about certain things, uh, that's starting to become more and more intuitive. Mm -hmm. Before I would get onto some calls with um, external contacts and talking about our organization and I'd, I'd get some questions and I'd really have to sort of say, like, I don't know yet uh, the answer to that question. I will find it and get back to you. And now I'm finding myself saying that a lot less. So mm -hmm. I do think that just in my own like present experience, that's that three month timeline makes sense to me mm -hmm. for sure. And he talks too about how to use that three months in a very systemic way to learn what it is that you need to learn hmm. things like the markets that you're working in, the products that you're working with, the structures that are internal to the company that you want to make a plan so that you're touching on all of the important areas. Hmm. Cool. Okay. That resonates really well with, what I've just experienced that that makes total sense. Okay. Tell You've, us more about what you just experienced. Yeah. So just thinking back into, so maybe a bit of an asterisk on this in that I am, have been in the process of, of remote onboarding since I was hired. I have been to my office uh, three times, once for an interview, once to sign a contract and once for about five minutes to pick up a computer and then sprint back to my home so I could start working f at a distance. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe my 
precise experience and anyone who's starting work now, it might be a little bit different. Um, but I've definitely done a lot of work in terms of reviewing documents. I actually uh, got right into the thick of some of the stuff that we're doing actually from a translation standpoint because I work internally, I work in, in French. Um, I do a lot of external work and I do a lot of teaching in English. So to translate documents that were really written for a different audience, moving them over to a different sector um, has really forced me to dive in hard and get a sense of like, how are we actually, what is this process? For example, mm. I, I help place people for internships in IT roles. So what does that full placement process look like? What does it look like for the student? Which is great. The, the students that I work with now, I have a lot more empathy for them. Mm -hmm. um, but it means that like I have definitely been doing lots and lots of reading. And when you, I'm definitely not an expert translator, but when you are translating, you really are reading something many, many, many times. Uh, to ensure that you are transferring not just the words to a new language, but the meaning as well. Mm -hmm. So you often end up asking a lot of questions. I had a lot of meetings with my boss directly on uh, Microsoft Teams because that's how we, that's how we roll in the COVID world. Mm -hmm. um, but just spent a lot of time really picking her brain, and was able to put forward some work in a fairly short period of time where she kind of was able to see really directly how I work. It was a chance for us to build some trust pretty quickly. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and I've seen that really stabilize and, and solidify over the last several weeks. Um, so it's, it's that. And, and I mean, I've also just experimented a lot. I've experimented a lot with um, reaching out to people, talking about, you know, expressing what our company is like, what our students are like, and trying different ways and seeing what works. It kind of goes back to episode 39 trial and error there's been a lot of that for me in the first three months but it's really deepened my understanding of how i can be good in what i'm doing and what our company ultimately wants to do yeah definitely yeah. and it also sounds like it ties into two of the other areas that he mentions of building a productive relationship with your boss mm -hmm. managing expectations and also creating coalitions yes absolutely yeah i have a small team uh, or i'm part of a small team and although, unfortunately, I haven't had a lot of experiences and encounters with people outside of our direct team because of the pandemic, but um, I do feel I have a great sense of trust in the people that I work with directly, and it is a lot of fun to actually work with them. Um, and I think that without that fun, I mean, we talk about this all the time on the show, but without that element of take what you do seriously, but don't take yourself too seriously, if you get too like wound up, it just, it's, it becomes super draining. So mm -hmm. especially when it would have been nice to have been able to get to know these people more in person to be able to nonetheless have fun in our meetings and to build relationships kind of just, you know, from the mentality of we're all in this together, especially mm -hmm. uh, because a lot of my teammates also are, are pretty new. Uh, that's been another key feature for me in my first 90 days. That's great. Yeah. I actually had a boss when I was, working for the bank who, when I transitioned to the new role with her, the very first thing she sat down with me in the first weeks, I said, you know, what's this week gonna look like? Because the first mm -hmm. week is usually, you're getting your technology, it's probably not up and running yet, you might be reading some stuff, but most of the time you're just kind of sitting around. Mm -hmm. And so she said, I want you, 
she gave me a list of people and it wasn't people in our department. It was people from various departments in the company. I want you to have coffee with each of these people. It could be for 15 minutes. It can be for 30 minutes, but tell them that I sent you and get to know them, not from a work perspective, but from a personal, personal perspective. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was such a cool idea because it, it allowed me to just set the stage for a relationship with all these people. It starts building rapport and down the road, six months, a year, two years down the road, even if I hadn't spoken to them in a little while, I felt comfortable enough to call Mm. them and say, Hey, how are you doing? What's new in your life? And also I'm working on this and I need your help. Cool. sounds like you were really planting some seeds that over time grew into something that you could go back to. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That, that experience that you've just described reminds me of, um, an exercise or an approach to building relationships that I've heard from Austin Belsack. And I'll, I'll paraphrase it here briefly, just in that his idea of you go and you meet as many people as you can have coffee, build authentic relationships with them. And then also get a sense of what their main challenges, their main challenges are in the work that they do. And knowing that keeping a record of that, as you go through your own evolution and create work, Sometimes that work will benefit other people or you might stumble on something that ends up being really helpful for the person and the challenge that they're facing. And then you have, because you have done all of this sort of background work, you have the ability to move some of the value you've created to someone else so they can experience it. And then obviously you you build a relationship based off of that value, which can be pretty important. I talk about like allies within a company or you talk about the word coalition coming from the book, like allies become advocates at some point for you as Mm -hmm. as they move through the organization or as they create opportunities, sometimes they bring you along with them. And that's, that's the long game. I think when you're, which you can get started on right away when you begin. Mm -hmm. And it's also important if you have a specific outcome that you're trying to work towards, Mm -hmm. you're going to have people who support you and you're going to have people who oppose you. Mm Mm-hmm. And so if you can build those relationships early on with the people who are going to support you and even people that you could convince down the road to support you, it's going to be so important in order to get past the people who oppose what you're doing. Yeah, totally. Yeah, there's always like that chunk of, I guess they would be like termed laggards maybe in terms of the... um, like Simon Sinek talks about this, when you move an idea or a product through distribution, there are people who adopt early and there are people who adopt late. And those laggards, as they're termed, having them somewhat on your side so that when you want to create movement on an idea or a project, maybe they move somewhere else on the curve and they become adopters at an earlier point. So Mm -hmm. I totally hear you there. I think there's like an underlying tone or an underlying message here in that being curious about the people around you, getting to know them in an authentic way, sort of seeking to understand first and then on being understood second. That's sort of like the main take home theme that I'm getting from all of this. Would that be fair for you as well? Yeah. And I think that we talk about that in a lot of our episodes, even Mm -hmm. with networking to get a job people are going to be such an important part of your career journey. And Mm -hmm. so creating those relationships and understanding others is a huge part of it. 
Totally. Yeah. When it comes to actually uh, contributing or sharing ideas, because we know that this is sort of, this doesn't necessarily happen right away. We have the break even point that comes into play. Um, when it comes to sharing ideas with others and voicing yourself, doing it with empathy, right? From taking all of this understanding that we've built of others and the organization, understanding what the goals and the challenges are for everyone else. Mm -hmm. The idea of sharing with empathy comes to mind as sort of like a clean summary of like, do, do speak your voice, do share your thoughts, but always keep in mind the ideas and the validity of the ideas of the people around you. I think the easiest way to, to kind of kill your chances of having success in a new place is to just invalidate the people around you and what they think. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think that helps anybody. Yeah, agreed. And it, there's another part of the first 90 days where he talks about diagnosing challenges and opportunities accurately. So mm. doing that for each of the people around you to understand, like, if I present this idea, how is it going to impact those around me, which mm. ties into what you're talking about of if I suggest that we need to make this change, maybe the person's opposing it because that will have a huge impact on their workflow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Then there's some like digging to do there, right? As far as like how, you know, almost like a coaching situation, how, um, how true, how valid is that threat to you and your work and your workflow? Like how real is that? Um, is that something that like just having a coaching approach to sort of addressing those challenges that others are facing? Could you see that as being a way of sort of having a smoother first 90 days, 180 days? I think that you need to be careful. I think it's a, a bit of a touchy thing because sure. for, for those people, it is very real. Yeah. Yeah. And so the empathy comes in when you think about how can I make that easier for them? So one of the other things is help others transition. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you're new in a job, but that also means that by relation, all of the other people that you are connecting with and working with are also in a transition. So how can you make it easier on them as well as yourself? Mm -hmm. And when you're presenting an idea with empathy and you're considering what their challenges might be or what their opportunities might be, you can really bring all of that together to understand them better and to then present an idea that is holistic. Mm -hmm. I like your use of that word for sure, because it's usually the things that keep people from moving on something are not, the reasons behind them are not typically one-sided or super simple. They often have many elements to them. Mm -hmm. And yes, kind of thinking I think our term is thinking holographically, thinking from many different viewpoints is in terms of like you can have empathy from a whole bunch of different points of view on someone and what they're dealing with. And I think having that gives you a lot more credibility for sure when it goes to actually proposing an idea or a solution to what they're experiencing. Mm -hmm. I hear you there. Um, so the book that you kind of got me to think about earlier on just from all of these points, uh, Marshall Goldsmith, What Got You Here Won't Get You There. It's a great book for anyone who is transitioning or starting a new role. And it really is, um, it's really quite simply written 
as being sort of these 20 behaviors to not do <laughs> the <laughs> things that are actually kind of killing your relationships with people or your ability to lead effectively. And it, it, a lot of those, a lot of those points talk around not having empathy for people, but mm -hmm. the other really just core summary of that book is, um, let go of your need to be right. Mm -hmm. That's where 99% of people are getting tripped up in that they feel like it's some kind of zero sum game that they're in mm -hmm. with the relationships that they're in and the work that they're doing and just like letting go, releasing, detaching from that, that feeling, that desire to be quote unquote right and winning all of the time is what tends to actually make people much better in their jobs as leaders, et cetera. I love that. I've seen so many times where there's been a senior leader come in to a company that I've been working at and they come in thinking that they know everything mm -hmm. about the role, the company, what they need to do. And it ends up being way off base and it's an immediate, you can see it actually failing. Mm-hmm because of that. Yeah. And it's normal that people come in with that mentality because they feel like in, in many ways, people feel like they need to validate themselves. They need to justify, Hey, I was hired for a reason or Hey, like I've been able to have success in these other similar positions. I can bring that here. But if there isn't that empathy part brought in first, I, I totally, it's, <laughs> You see those people that come in and they push an agenda and unfortunately like there isn't enough empathy there isn't enough social capital in a lot of cases mm -hmm. like the relationships with people around them are just not strong enough to advance right alone we go faster together we go further mm -hmm. so just uh I, I i'm thinking of a few moments like that right now with some people that i've come across and, and you know what i've probably been that person too at least mm -hmm. once in my career so something to something to avoid <laughs> Yeah. And I think that there's ways of doing it too, because obviously you were hired for a reason, mm -hmm. right? There's obviously things and strengths that you have that you're bringing to the table, but how do you, how do you present those in a way where you're saying this happened, this really worked in this scenario, what might be different in this scenario? Mm -hmm. And how do you see this working? Like asking questions of the people around you mm -hmm. instead of telling. Yep. Yeah, exactly. I love it when a senior leader asks the people who are new to the table and who come from a similar place what what was it like in company b now that you're in company a with us what was it like when you guys had to address problem x at company b mm -hmm. uh, that is a real invitation now to start to actually share your voice and do it in a way that I think is, is safe for the lack of a better word. Mm -hmm. It is really important that at some point you start to actually speak your, your mind and come through authentically. The quote from Alan Weiss, going back into these consulting people, um, <laughs> he wrote, if you don't blow the horn, the music will never play. And I've, I've never forgotten that line. I think I read it a few years ago. It's, it's so true. You still have to create your own music at some point, mm -hmm. but it should be, I guess 
to keep along the lines of that analogy, it should be the genre of music that's being played mm-hmm. by others around you. If you're entering a company that's playing nothing but classical and you go in and you're starting to play classic rock, yes, I think there's going to be a huge clash there. <laughs> it's a good point and yeah. a great analogy. Thank you. Just just came to mind. Um, that's That's what I've got when it comes to finding success. There's so much work that goes into planting seeds, as we've talked about, and establishing mm-hmm. sort of a fertile place for you to understand people, grow your own brand, develop advocacy. Are there any other things that come up for you? There's a couple of things. And one of them is securing early wins. Yeah. So finding areas that you can impact immediately. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to use the buzzword, but I'm going to <laughs> uh, try to reach the, the low hanging fruit. Sure. <laughs> yes. Lots of buzz. <laughs> Can't tell me you how many times I've heard that in a meeting, but it <laughs> works in this situation. So you're, sure. you're, you're trying to see where you can have an impact. And again, when you do have those wins, then you can start to add that to your portfolio mm-hmm. to talk to your manager at the end of the year or to have a conversation with somebody about, yeah, this went really well recently. And mm-hmm. it also builds confidence. Absolutely. The other thing is keeping your balance. And I think that this is something that a lot of people forget about because when you're in that first phase, you're trying to prove yourself so badly that you forget to check in on how you're doing. Mm -hmm. And you can also often forget to set boundaries and setting boundaries in the early stages. I mean, it's not impossible to do later, but your own mindset about it changes the further Mm -hmm. that you continue doing it or the longer that you continue doing it. Yeah. There's some unlearning that has to happen further down the line. If that's, if you've gone that long doing something a certain way. Exactly. So Balance could be things like knowing when to ask for advice mm-hmm. from people, um, gaining control over your environment, setting up systems for yourself, um, having personal discipline in certain areas, and also helping your loved ones to transition as well. Mm. So your home life, life is also going through a transition when you're in a work transition. So mm-hmm. you might be working more hours, you might be more stressed out, and how can you make that a little bit easier in your family life as well? That is a great point and probably a subject that we don't quite talk enough about. But there is that, uh, I sometimes say like the line between professional and personal is blurry at best. And without question, if you can't establish the same kind of, you almost need the same level of empathy with your family and the people around you as you do with your new coworkers so that everyone kind of gets on something of a same page when it comes to expectations. Mm-hmm. So I, I hear you there. That probably could be a whole episode in and of itself, but that's a great point. And I think communication really plays a huge role in that of just mm-hmm. if you're struggling or if you're having a bad day, learning how to communicate that properly to your loved ones so that they can support you properly. Mm-hmm. Totally. Open lines of communication are so helpful. Uh, otherwise we're just sort of guessing at what people are feeling at, mm-hmm. at best. So I feel like I've said the word empathy probably a thousand times on this episode. <laughs> are there any other sort of like key takeaways if we were to just sort of summarize and wrap this up with a bow that you would add to how people can find 
and approach a new role with uh, a mindset that leads to success? I think empathy is a great one. Mm -hmm. I think that networking and building relationships and nurturing relationships is another one. Mm -hmm. And then I would say being self-aware of your own limitations, but also of your own strengths mm. so that you can bring those into not only your work, but also to your home life and your boundaries and everything else. Yeah. That's those points have reminded me of our episode with Teresa Helmer around informational interviews, but more importantly, meet and greet culture and establishing like internal networks in new places. Uh, I know that that's been a really important part of her career advancement and maybe for some, as a resource for anyone who is looking to sort of deepen their ties with people around them, that they should check out that episode. I'm blanking on what episode number that was, but I'm sure we can just toss a link in the show notes and people can go there. But that was a really good episode in terms of just hearing someone's experience around just starting off and building quickly in a new role. Definitely. Cool. Well, I think we could probably put the wrap on it right there. Yeah. Awesome. This was nice, fun, efficient. Our one-on-one interviews, one-on-one interviews, our one-on-one conversations (laughs) are, I feel like short and sweet, hopefully really helpful. If there was something that came up on this episode that you'd like to talk about with us, feel free to reach out to us. We would love to just continue these conversations with you, dear listener. Uh, For the Career Builders Podcast, I'm Mike Bird. I'm Lisa Plain. And we will be with you again soon. Bye for now.